Hi there, and thanks for joining us. We have a particularly sporting theme on this week's podcast. We have the Kerry superstar, who is now an accountant in Cork, the physio, who's developing an app for your pains and your strains, and first, the bike shop that throws nothing away. I'm Jonathan Healy, and this is Red Business. Red Business, Cork's exclusive business podcast. One of the great memories from when I was younger was going into a shop that sells and repairs bikes. And there was a unique smell that is very hard to find anymore. It was something for me when I went to school in Colossus Street. There was Capwell Bikes. There was a couple of doors up and you walk through the door and you got that wonderful smell. And... My next guest is somebody who knows all about that and has been doing his utmost uh, to make sure that another generation will get to experience that as well. Killian Reid, how are you? Very good. How are you? I'm good. Now, your company is The Bike Shed. The Bike Shed, yeah. So tell us about The Bike Shed and what it does. So The Bike Shed is um, a bike shop in Denny's Cross in Cork and we um, sell new and used bikes, repair bikes, and we rent bikes. So where did the passion for the bicycle come from? Um, I suppose the, I, I always kind of had a passion for um, the environment and was always fixing things. And um, myself and my wife, when we were uh, in our early 20s in 2005, travelled through Africa and... We uh, in a jeep and we saw like all these little bike shops in all these small little communities, and they were like the the hub of the village because, like, unlike Ireland, it's um it's the bike is what people get around on a lot over there, you know, and um it was just amazing to see how the whole community were kind of um kind of knitted by this bike shop that was um giving them basically transport around the like facilitating the transport around. The villages and things like that. So that I kind of love the the, the 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 image of that and just the way that they were fixing anything, you know, like it could be an absolute heap in the corner and there was someone there trying to get it back going again, you know. I mean, the, the one thing about bikes is that they're not the most complicated beasts in the world. When you think yeah. about the car and everything that can go wrong with an engine, a bike is, is there's a couple of moving parts but not that yeah. many. yeah. I thought that too when I got uh, <laughs> when I got started and that was probably half of my motivation was it was like you know I thought if you've got 10 broken bikes you can turn them into to six broken bikes you know but unfortunately sometimes you'd have 10 broken bikes and you can only turn them into three bikes because there's all these different um, wheel sizes and chain sizes and different amount of cogs and all that kind of stuff and it, it took um, a long time to work all that out you know You were by trade a hydrographic surveyor yeah. What was yeah. that? So that's um, hydro is, is water. So I was basically surveying um, water, whether it was a river or a lake or sea. We'd like measure the height of waves or we'd measure the strength of currents. And I see, I like, always loved the journey that people go on when they set up yeah. their own business because making repairs to bikes, selling new bikes couldn't be further removed from the world of hydrographic surveying, I'm guessing. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, was it the case that you were fed up looking at water and wanted to move on? Or I, was it you do just follow a passion? I absolutely love the sea. And, you know, but at the same time, when you're a hydrographic surveyor, you're just looking at a monitor and it's like looking at the, the screen when it, you know, when RT used to turn off back in the the 80s, just the fuzzy black screen. Yeah. You're just, and trying to decipher figures from that, you know, and it's, 
like doing that over and over again day after day can get a bit monotonous. So um, I suppose the uh, the whole bike thing was was just an opportunity where like I was kind of a little bit fed up with the monotony of of the the sea life, even though I loved it. And, and it was taking me away from my family a lot as well, I suppose, which was a, a huge thing. I had a, a, a young child at, at the time. And um, and then the opportunity just arose from um, seeing basically, like I'd be dropping scrap metal from the, the hydrographic surveying company to to scrapyards. And I'd see a bunch of scrap bikes in the corner and I'd say, like, what's the story with those? And my my whole kind of fixing passion would say, I can fix those and I can do something with them. And whether it's like, Give them to a neighbour, or sell them to a student, or you know, sell them to some to someone. I said, like something can be done with that, and it's terrible for them to to be scrapped. See, the mm-hmm. humble bike fell out of vogue for a long time, and and it's now becoming more and more relevant again. So you have yeah. the the bike rental scheme, which is yeah. very successful. You have more people who are willing to get on the bike maybe than before. Cork is still a considerable distance behind Dublin in this regard, yeah. but. Yeah. It's actually a growing market that you've moved into, uh, and it's yeah. not necessarily everybody who wants the shiniest, fanciest mountain bike. They just want one that gets them from A to B, which is where your business comes in. Yeah, like um, that's kind of where I where I uh, got into it. I, I saw that people need bikes to 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 get around. You know, especially students was where I kind of focused my attention originally, and it's because when I was a student in UCC. I used to cycle everywhere. Like I was probably the only person in my class, and I couldn't understand why people were willing to walk for half an hour when I could just get there in 10 minutes, you know? And it meant that I could hang around and talk to people for 20 minutes longer than anyone else and have a, a chat around the place. And I could really see the, the importance of it. And it's it's when, in cities, I think the huge thing is parking. Is people can't drive, you know, they can't park their cars. And they have, like, the best, next best option is definitely a, a bike. You see, I'm, again, going back to Crease 3, when I was a young fella, there were bike sheds that were huge. I mean, yeah. massive. And yeah. I, I haven't been back in a while, but yeah. I'm guessing a lot less kids cycle to school as did in my day. Yeah. And and as a result, you have a generational gap who probably don't know what a bike is. Yeah, like I saw the same thing in the school I was in. There used to be hundreds of bikes and I looked in the gate there um, maybe five years ago and there was one lonely bike standing there on its, <laughs> on own, its own you know and it's and I was thinking I want those bike racks <laughs> yeah I can use those but um no it's it's uh it's it's kind of coming around I think you know because there's so many um positives to it you know there's the whole fitness thing the fact that you can cycle to where you want to go you know like in a car you have to drive to a car park or spend like half an hour driving around town to find a parking space whereas on your bike you cycle into town and you Park your bike outside the shop you want to get your stuff in. So the the old jalopies that you're you're given a bit of TLC to, uh, where are you finding them? Well, it's kind of the business has moved on from that a, a lot now. Um, we kind of get a, a lot of ex rental fleets from different parts of the country. Like our our season um, starts with the the students when it ends in the, the the summer kind of bike rental season ends. But the business so in has other moved words, on. it's it's like car rental. So you're you're getting old rental bikes, you're yeah. reconditioning them, and you're selling them. Yeah, but we're also getting people are trading in bikes against new bikes and um, and selling a lot of bikes on the. the so w- going back that. to what I said at the start, that smell. Yeah, like do you have that smell in the shop? It's funny. Only I'd say only this year I've like I remember that smell so vividly, but I forgot it. Do you know? Do you know the way you can forget a smell? Yeah, and I forgot that smell for fifteen years. And I walked into my shop, I'd say it was um, about 
it was about eight months ago and I just got that smell and it was, I was I just like stood back and I was like oh my god it's that rubber smell do you know and I suppose because you're immersed in it every single day day after day after day that you just don't notice it but I got it again and now I'm starting to get it again because I might be out, out of the shop a little bit more like doing kind of um, more paperwork in the office and those kind of things so I might be out of the shop for two or three days and then you come back and you get that beautiful uh, rubber aroma you know? absolutely it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a wonderful wonderful thing yeah. and we wish you continued success where can people find the bike shed so the bike shed is at um, Denny's Cross which is near um, between kind of UCC and CAT that kind of area so it's been between the, the student hubs there and uh, then we're on Facebook and we've got our website, um, thebikeshed.ie. And I'm guessing you cater for everybody from the two-year-old to the 102-year-old. Yeah, exactly. We Everywhere in between. To, to All right. To happy. Killian Reid of The Bike Shed, thank you so much for joining us in Red Business. Thanks a million. Red Business. All that's best about business in Cork. My next guest is someone whose name you'll be very familiar with, particularly if you're a fan of the GAA. And for many years here in Cork, he was very much on the wrong side of it. But he was someone who took to sport professionally. And then his career has taken a very different direction. Tommy Walsh, how are you? And welcome to Red Business. Very good, Jonathan. Thanks for having me. As a Kerry man, you broke our hearts many times over the years, yet now you have the boldness and the audacity to come here and work in Cork and ply your trade. What is it like being on enemy ground? Yeah, well, I do have, I do have a lot of connections here, in fairness. My, my, um, I have a lot of cousins and, and other family members, so it's not, uh, it's not completely alien to me, but um, certainly being from Kerry and, and having played football for Kerry, it... Uh, you know, you, you can get a bit of stick sometimes walking down walking down the Salt Mall or whatever. But I, I enjoy that and I think it's um it's good banter and there's always a good healthy rivalry between Kerry and Cork people even in business. Yeah, funny enough now the Cork lads have kept their heads down for the last little <laughs> while. We won't even talk about it. Uh Tommy, you're you're working right now with CDS Law and Tax and we'll talk about that business in a little while. But you are one of the rarer members of the GAA fraternity who made a go of this and went to Australia uh, to do it professionally. You would have known that there was always going to be a shelf life on that going over, but what was it like to, to make that jump from amateur to professional sportsman? Yeah, look, it was um, it was a big step, obviously. I, I was I think I was 19 or 20 when I went over first. Um, but, and look, I, I just felt it was a huge opportunity for me. Um, I think every young fella growing up wants, wants a chance to play professional sport and unfortunately with GA this is probably the only avenue for it um, because it's, it's so close to GA so when they when they came and asked me did I want to go I went for a look and it just kind of went from there and I ended up spending five five great years there like it, it, in terms of in terms of sport there was um, ups and downs with injuries and um, you know and, and selection issues and all that but I think as a whole I, I enjoyed the experience um, and there you was know, consternation though when when you went. I remember the headlines. We can't lose him. He's a nineteen. We'll never we'll never see his likes again. I mean, it was a real. It must have been very difficult as a young lad to try and work out what's right there, given that the world's mother wanted you to stay, uh, and your head and your heart was telling you different. Yeah, but I think um, I suppose fortunately, Kerry football is 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 always going to be bigger than any individual. So despite. The fact that I went, um, Kerry were still able to be successful after. Um, but I think it, in those type of situations, while you know you have your club at home who've put so much time into you to to, to get you to that level, to intercounty level, you know you're obviously going to be missing your family and friends and all that. But I think you just have to be probably a bit selfish in that scenario. You know, you you might only get one chance. I was probably, 
you know the guys going now are 18 19 I was 20 maybe pushing 21 so if I was going to go it was going to be that year so um, I suppose weighing th- everything everything up at that time I just felt it was the right decision for me the other thing of course and the challenge of doing that is that when you get to Australia to be a professional sportsman what happens to the education that all of your peers are going through even yeah. the GAA heads would all have been in college at that point would all of it have been working at that point on a career or whatever uh, were you how conscious were you of that yeah, I was. I was very conscious. I had I had two years of of, um, of college completed in LIT before I left. And in fairness to the the system over there, they really allow you to continue that. Obviously, you can't do it as quickly as you would do here. But they set time aside every week. They provide you know whether it be financial resources or or whatever else you need. You know they really facilitate that. And um, LIT also, you know, they allowed me to finish my degree out there. Um, you know, there was a bit of toing and froing, but I eventually got through it. So I was lucky enough to finish the degree, and then um, the like the the players' association over there they really help you to to I suppose they're they're planning for for life after your football career. So I was able to go on and do a few other things when I studied for a bit in the University of Sydney also. So it's um you know while obviously the football has taken up the majority of your time, there is an element of of life after football there so as well. So in other words, when you were talking back to home, don't worry, I haven't abandoned yeah. everything else. I'm <laughs> still studying. I'm still getting a bit of work done. So you got the degree. What brought you to tax? That's an unusual turn. Um, well, obviously, look, I, I came back and I, I, I the degree finished, but I'd absolutely no no experience. I was 25 or 26, which is unusual for someone, um, you know, to be at that age and have no experience in a certain sector. Um, so. I, I was lucky enough to, to, to meet someone from EY here in Cork. Um, they had an opening in the tax department, um, and thankfully they, they they let me have a go at it. They took me in, um, started at the bottom, at the very, very bottom, um, did all my exams and qualified in the past couple of years. So it's. I mean, that, that was quite daunting going in there at 26 when you see the fellas who are a couple of years younger than you who know it all, yeah. as, as far as you can make out, and yeah. you're starting at base point. Did you did you draw on maybe some of the things you'd learned in the world of sports to try and keep you up at that point? Because many would feel snowed under. Yeah, absolutely. I think while while you don't have any um, experience in that sector, I think there's a lot of skills that are transferable from a professional sports environment. You know, there's obviously the team element, but um, you know when you're going through different things like injuries or whatever, you know you develop a certain resilience, which I think would have stood to me. You know, doing whatever, going through deadlines or going through the exams and all that. You know, you don't seem to to probably panic as much as maybe somebody else would um, in a similar situation. So, while you know, I just I went in there and I accepted that this was the way it was going to be for a couple of years. I just had to put the head down, get through the exams, and, and I knew that when I came out the other side of it, that um, I'd be in a much stronger position, which thankfully I did. So, and like everything else, you you, you fought for your place in the Kerry team. You fought for your place in the St Kilda team. Now you have to fight for a place and get a job. What brought you to CDS Law and Tax? Um, well, um, as I said, I, I trained with EY and I I was there for about three and a half years. Um, really enjoyable time there, but I just felt I I wanted to to see something different. Um, Kieran Desmond, who's the head man in CDS Law and Tax, I. I I knew him through a Kerry connection, so we had spoken a couple of times. There was the Kerry Mafia, you yeah. see. They, they're, they're never far away, working away in the background, even here in Cork. Yeah, we have to look after each other up here. <laughs> but um, I don't know, we, we, we had spoken a couple of times um, through through the years, and then I suppose lucky for uh, lucky for me, and unfortunately for him, I think an opening an opening uh, came up within within the firm. So he, he uh, we spoke, and I joined there in July this year. 
we are in a buoyant economy. Mm. The figures out recently from the European Union show projected growth, despite everything with Brexit and all yeah. the other challenges of 4.5% next year. Cork seems like a good place right now. We've talked a lot about this in the podcast, that Cork is just coming good, yeah. that there's a lot happening. Are you seeing that from your side of the business? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think... You know, you see people that are coming in and they're, with their queries and it's much more about looking forward now rather than maybe in the past it would have been about sorting issues that, you know, might have developed over the last 10 years. So it's, um, you know, you can, you can definitely see that in business people are much more positive. They're planning for the future um, and, and Cork is a great place to be as, as much as it kills me to say it, <laughs> being a Kerry man. But no, it is, it is a great place. You can see that there's a buzz, um, a buzz around the city. I think it's... Obviously, Dublin's on a different scale, but I think Cork is is a really good size, and it's um, you know, it's developing all the time. You can see the 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 cranes are always a good sign. You know, there's so much construction going on around the city, so it's it's a really positive time to be to be to be in Cork and to be in business here also. Strip away the the sporting side of it. You were an emigrant. You left the country to go to Australia, like so many in your generation. Yet you're one of the ones that's come back. Are there lots of others who would have been your friends, your contemporaries over there, your your fellow Irish people? Many have come back. Do you think more will follow at this point, given that prosperity, given that potential that's now there that just wasn't around for your generation a decade ago? Yeah, I think, look, obviously it depends on the person too, but um, a lot of people go in, they say I might only go for a year and they end up, up spending a lot more time away. But um, as things improve here, people will start to come back. And I think especially as as they start hitting maybe their late 20s, early 30s, and it probably gets to that time in your life when you, you need to start making that decision, where am I going to settle down? Um, I think a lot of people would like that to be Ireland, but maybe you know with, with the conditions that they have wherever they are, they might be a bit better. So it, it's probably a hard decision for them to come back. But I think as things improve, um, I think we will see see a, a flow of people back into the country. And we need it. You know, We need it. There's a number of, of sectors that are crying out for, for employees and you know they're they're working on the other side of the world or whatever so hopefully we'll see more and more people coming back over the next couple of years so what does your day-to-day involve at cds law and tax you know it's it's in fairness i suppose being in a smaller practice you get a a real exposure to all, all the different tax heads you know and queries are coming in the door every day so you're 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 trying just trying to manage that um and get things back out to people you know it's where uh, while I'm the tax side of things, we're also a, um, a law firm. So we've we've uh, you know there's a lot of things going on: mergers, acquisitions, corporate restructuring, um, property transactions. So you know it, it, it's very very busy, and the company's growing all the time. And it's a very ambitious company also. So I'm really enjoying my time there. Tommy, what's the website if people want to look it up? The website is cdslaw.ie. Um, and the last question I have to ask you: Give me a prediction for the monster final 2019. The monster final in hurling. <laughs> and, uh, given, given that that's your attitude, we'll park it there because I think I know where it's going. Tommy Walsh of CDS Law and Tax, thanks so much for joining us. Red thanks business. very much, Jonathan. Thanks. The only show in town for Cork business, Red Business. Now, from time to time, we all need a little bit of help if we overdo it. And as our bodies age, then we need a little bit of physiotherapy. And if you are particularly sporty, then you'll have picked up injuries along the way, which means that it is a growing industry. And my next guest is somebody who is taking advantage of that. Shane Hennessy of Shane Hennessy Physiotherapy and Sports Injury Clinic. How are you? Very good. Thanks, Anton. Tell me a little bit about this. You've been doing it a while. Yeah, so I'm practicing physio about maybe 10 years at this point. Um, up until this, I've kind of worked in a lot of different areas. So in acute hospitals, um, the community, 
um, nursing homes, sports teams. So over the last 10 years, I've kind of worked in lots of different areas of physio. And you've taken the big plunge now to go out and do it on your own. So what was the genesis of that? Um, I think think the big thing is that physio as a whole, there's a lot of different types of treatments. There's a lot of different approaches. Uh, But if you have your own practice, um, you can really work exactly the way you feel is best. Best for the patient um, and, and following the evidence, really, you know. What's the market out there at the moment I mean I was kind of half joking at the start there saying that people are falling over hurting themselves doing some stupid things at soccer like I've done myself (laughs) in the past you know is it that type of business that you're looking to draw in yeah that's that's one area of it certainly and 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 the market is is growing as you said at the beginning that's probably for two reasons number one people are far more active now so people who would have been sedentary a few years back are now getting out getting back playing football like yourself um, badly, just, 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 <laughs> I just like the record to show playing football badly. Like most of us, that's fine. Um, just even going running, walking, you generally you see it every day. You see more people out in the streets jogging, things like that. So, so naturally then people pick up injuries, so you know, ultimately makes a bigger market. Um, the second big one probably is because of the, the health service as well. So because the HSC is um, the way it is now, um, a lot more people are moving into the private sector to, to get treatment. And physiotherapy, if anyone who breaks a bone, for example, mm. they will go through the HSE physiotherapy and it'll be fine. But at best, it'll be fine that you mm. mightn't get the full follow-up that maybe even the physiotherapist would want to give you because the hours aren't there. So yeah. is there a bit of an overflow there as well that people are maybe still looking for extra physio after the hospital treatment has come to an end? Absolutely, yeah. So that's a big one really for us. And you said the traumatic stuff will be looked after but you still have a huge chunk of injuries that the GP might put somebody on an outpatient waiting list, um, but they could be weeks and weeks waiting to get their appointment. But obviously they're in pain now, so they want to be treated now, and that's where the private industry really takes it. What can you do as a physiotherapist? I mean, it's it's a profession. It's something you've studied very hard for. You, you can order scans. You can do lots of different things, can't you? Yeah, well, I suppose... Probably one area that the Irish physios are lacking is that we don't really have a speciality. So what's known in the UK as extended scope practitioners, um, whereby they can order scans, they can give injections, um, and they can even give prescriptions. Um, that doesn't actually exist really in Ireland at the moment. Okay, so there's a gap there. So there's a gap there, definitely. Um, so, so really, to answer your question, at the moment, no. For the most part, we can't order scans. That still has to go through. Your GP. GP. Okay. So when somebody comes through the door, what is your modus operandi? How do you assess them? How do you work out a plan? I mean, is it, look, a cruel businessman would say, yes, we'll get them in for eight weeks now. But that's not what's good for a patient, presumably. And that's not how you'd run. That's a good point. And, And unfortunately, it still is what's happening in a lot of practices around the country. And that is being used as a, as a, just solely a business model get as many sessions out of this person. I did always say that when I went into my own practice, I, I won't go down that route because I think, yeah, in the short term, you might gain from it. But I think in the long run, people will value a lot more if, you, if you're honest with them. Um, so my approach is always educate them on what's actually going on, give them a program that they can work on themselves um, and, and put it back on them. That this is what the problem is. This is how you fix it. Here's exactly how you fix it. Now go off and, and do that and check in with me again and we'll see how you're doing. And, and one of the things you're working on uh, is that follow-up. So, you know, again, when I went to my own physio with the problem with my knee, 
was given loads of exercises. Yeah. Didn't do any of them. <laughs> red use, absolutely red useless. But you're trying to uh, create an app that is going to help them stick to that program and that they'll be able to use as a proper regimen so that by the time they come back, they can have, they'll have done the exercise they're supposed to have done. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so we are, that's something we're working on at the moment. The app itself will be kind of a one-stop shop for, for the patient that comes into our practice in that they can manage their booking on it so they can make their bookings through the app, they can reschedule them, and they'll be given all their exercises through the app with videos of them um, explaining exactly what to do um, and how to do it. Um, and in addition to that then, um, they'll be able to post up if they're having difficulty with it. So there'll be a, a feedback section where they'll have direct access to, to speak to us if they want advice on it. Um, so that's what we're working on at the minute. I think by by patients being able to see the exercises and, and being somewhat accountable to it in that they'll have to adhere to the programme by checking in and that they're doing the programme, things like that, um, it'll just improve motivation to actually get it done. Look, the, the thing is that's going to be a long procession of people who are going to need this type of service in the years ahead. Is is it a real growth industry, do you think, Shane? I mean, is there, have, you, have you already, even though a few months in, are you looking at what happens next? Absolutely, yeah. And I think it's it's not just, you know, it's not just the sports person out that's looking uh, for physio um, treatments. So at the moment, we're, we're in talks at the minute with a multinational company um, about doing um, a service on site. So we're hoping to move in there soon in the coming months where we'll have a physiotherapist on site. So you'll be like in-house? In-house, yeah. Um, we'll do the ergonomics as well. So we'll have a look at um, the employees at their desk, how their posture is, how they're using their computer. Um, oh, you'd be like, like the that. posture police. You'd be going around, right, sit up yeah. straight. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm watching yours right now. It's here. very bad, as you can tell. It's a terrible share. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's, that's yeah. another aspect of the so business the, that you could go That's a growing down. area because obviously you have multinational companies now that have thousands of employees here. They want to make sure that they're not leaving um, during the day for, to go see their GP or go see their physio. So they want stuff on site. And that man again, who's going to complain if you can go to the physio while you're on your lunch break? Exactly. Yeah, makes sense. Well, the the website, if people are looking up at the Facebook page, is what? Um, ShaneHennessyPhysio.com is the website. Um, we have an online booking system on that as well. Um, and we'll be putting up regular blogs and things like that just to um, give people advice. And you're, and you're based at the moment in Ballincollig? Yeah. Okay, so yeah. ShaneHennessyPhysio.com. Shane Hennessy, thank you very much for joining us. Best Thanks, of luck. Jonathan. My thanks, as always, to all of my guests. Every episode of Red Business is up on the website redfm.ie and on iTunes, where you can subscribe and catch all the previous episodes. Neil Hennessy was the producer, and we'll catch you on the next one. Red Business, Cork's exclusive business podcast.